And so we once again are less than a day away from Yom Kippur. It seems we've been here on more than one occasion. We are less than 24 hours away from standing in Shul for Kal Nidre. And we have gone through Elu, we have gone through Rosh Hashanah, Ases Mechuva, and once again we are here, Erev Yom Kippur, the final preparations before this holiest of days, the most awe-inspiring day of awe, the holiest day on the Jewish calendar, Yom HaKippurim. And uh, the fact of the matter is that we know uh, we go into Yom Kippur and most of the day is spent in Shul and a large part of Yom Kippur for us the davening the experience that we have has to do to a large extent with the Migudim Bidasam I know this is important to many of us and those of us who grew up in a particular place where they do a particular set of nigudim and we move someplace else, we never recover. Never. And you can often be in shul where the chazan is singing one tune and there's someone often loudly singing a completely different one right next to you. Because he grew up with that nigun and that nigun has particular meaning to him. Perhaps not to everybody else in his immediate surroundings, you know. Sometimes he's louder than the Chazan himself. But it doesn't matter because to him, he's thinking that the Zaya tells us that the Shari Nagima are next to the Shari Tshuva. That this power of song has the power to bring us to Tshuva. That's the concept we know that certain Nigunim are called the vacancy type of Nigunim. You sing that, and that's me with the brand name per se, though I don't mean to exclude it. Yeah? It means that you sing certain Nigunim and you feel something. I told the story in the past, uh, there was a time that I uh, was uh, teaching uh, the Hawakas, getting ready for Rosh Hashanah, and uh, it was about two weeks beforehand and I was in a somewhat large shul with beautiful acoustics and uh, I had a large group of people I was teaching and uh, I you know, began to tell them I said, you know, when you come to shul Rosh Hashanah you're going to sing you know, one of the oldest nigunim known to the Jewish people right? according to some people I've heard this a number of times that it goes back to Bayez Shemi it was sung in the base of Mikdash and I started to sing quietly the famous nigun that we all sing Rashadah Naik and Kippur Naik and many of them knew it and they started to join in a little hesitantly at first and it got stronger and it got louder and by the end the entire room was resounding with this with this particular nigun and when it was all done I said I can't teach anymore I'm sorry let's, let's finish here and we'll pick up later now, Baruch Hashem was towards the end of the class anyway but I just I, I, I was shaking literally shaking I went into the office and uh, one of the other day looked at me and said but what's wrong with you and I told him what happened 
He says, oh, that's what the Mata Ephraim says. The Mata Ephraim says that the Nigunim that we sing on the Yom Narayim have the power to, power to be Ma'ira as the Chuba. That the tunes themselves have this Koyach in them, that when we hear them, they can affect us in a powerful way. That's the power of music, the power of Nigunim. So, of course, the Nigunim that we grow up with, these are, these are things that have a, they have a very important a very important message to us. Perhaps one of the most poignant stories uh, I remember hearing was, you know, for the many years that I ran NCSY in Long Island, so uh, to many young people who perhaps haven't seen the inside of a shul before, or perhaps haven't had much of a Jewish education, you know, so much of their religious life revolves around the little NCSY venture that they have to take along with them. You know, in the back it has a little songs, you know, and they always say, page such and such song, such and such. They turn to it and they sing it together. They sit on the floor, they have a comzit, they have candles, they sing the songs, you know, they sit on chairs, they sing the songs, they walk around, they sing the songs, they get a very, very central part to it. This young lady came to one, two, three, four Shabbat and then she... She, you know, dropped out. And she never stayed very committed. And then her father never passed away. She had lost her mother years before. She didn't have any siblings. And uh, the rabbi of the local synagogue, you know, had arranged some sort of service. And she came back and she didn't know what to do. She didn't know any halachas. She didn't know. She didn't know about sitting shiva. She didn't know about the first suda. She didn't know what to do. So she went to her closet and she found this old bencher and she sat down on the floor and she lit a candle and she started to sing those songs. That somehow had the power of reaching into her neshama. Somehow that music touches us in a way, even, even beyond the words. It's good to know the words. Even beyond the words, the, the, the tune itself. You sing a million. It has a, a certain power. So of course, the Yom Narayim, the Migurim that we sing, are extremely essential to us. Right? So, that's of course unless, you know, you grew up in a more Lutvish type of a shul, in which case most of the Gunam are like, I have friends who sing Zmiros that way, it's, it's absolutely inspiring, you know? <laughs> but a real million, a real million, you know, you can hear it sometimes and it's sung properly and it just moves your soul. Moves your soul. And so, for myself, you know, you have to go into it, especially, now, I'm, I'm not a chazan, and uh, I haven't been involved in chazanas, you know, more, you know, just regular Bali tefillah. I have a friend of mine, uh, Ed Weinstein, who is a, who is a Bali tefillah, he is a chazan, spent many years in preparation, and he told me that uh, he once went off to the show, and he started saying, well, what's this Rosh Hashanah. I don't know which regular he used. He said, I used the regular one. I don't know what a regular... Yeah, I rest this. I don't know which one. Yeah, no, the regular million. Whatever the regular one is. Yeah. And he said the shul wasn't with him. Right? The shul wasn't with him. So afterwards, the house he was staying at was the Gabbai. So the fellow says to him, uh, you know, uh, you don't know I rest this Fasenu. He says, well, you know, this is what everyone sings. He says, that's not what we sing here. He says, so tell me the one you sing here, and I'll sing it. And the person started to sing this million with all of his power. And it was probably very beautiful if he hadn't been tone deaf. <laughs> so it was terribly tone deaf. And that winds his listening. And you know how when you can listen to someone sing something tone deaf and you know there is a tune there but you can't identify it, you know? 
So he says, maybe the, the, your kids know the niggas. He says, of course, all the kids, all together. And everyone in the family was tone deaf. So he says, you know what, let's do the following. He said, this was his idea, let's do the following. When I get up there tomorrow morning, second day of Shana, when I come to the rest of my I'll look to you, and you start it. And the, hopefully the rest of the show will join in, and I'll follow. So, comes the next day, comes the rest of the show, nods, and the goblin starts croaking this out, and the whole show joins in, and they're all tone deaf. <laughs> Now this could be a chazan talking, I don't know. <laughs> so you're in the book, and then we came to just look, the whole congregation croaked it out, everybody was happy, you know? So he says, later on in that year, he happened to be someplace, and somebody had a, you know, a, a recording, right, or whatever it is. And there was someone listening to my somebody, he says, that must have been it. It sounds vaguely like if you were to like put the picture back into focus. That might be what it looks like, you know. So he says, "Can I get the music to this?" He runs around, he runs around, he gets the music, and he practices it. He gets up there the next year, and he comes to this to say no, and he belts it out, and the whole Seba joins in, you know. At the end, the guy came over and said, "Baruch Hashem, you finally learned it. So we did a great job teaching you." <laughs> That's it, you know, you, you want to try to be able to get it correctly. Now, for myself, you know, there's certain, I grew up with a chazan. I grew up in a shul with a chazan. You know what I mean? So, Rosh Hashanah to me, besides constantly repeating words, but, uh, you know, which was, you know, I, I don't want to get into any halakhic ramifications. Yes, no, because I have some friends who do this professionally and get very emotional whenever this topic comes up. But I don't want to mention it and mention famous names. I don't want to get involved. But I just think that's, we grew up with that nigga in the show. Melech HaKoretz Mekadesh Yisrael So forget it, right? So that was Rosh Hashanah. So that, we'll never hear again. But on Yom Kippur, of course, the Yom Kippur Pasek, and everyone responds, Now, the problem is, sometimes you have a chazan who's in a little bit of a rush, and he doesn't even let you do that. And you see him sort of like fighting with the seabird, like going, They're not giving it up. Because the highlight for many people is that. And they're not missing that, right? Okay. But this Pasek, you know, see, you know, occasionally the Dabdim and they, they don't do that Pasek, they do it differently, they have other than Hagar and And of course, I, in finest tradition, sing it loudly to myself and um, disturb the people around me. It's an old Jewish tradition. But uh, this is obviously the Pasek. This is the Pasek, which, when we come in Achimos to the conclusion of the entire Yom Kippur of Oda, so, this will be a law forever, the seventh month You will afflict um, your souls. You and strangers among you, people living, the converts. Because on this day, Hashem is going to forgive you. To purify you from all of your sins, Rifnei Hashem Titaru. Before Hashem, you will be purified. Shabbos Shabbosoni Rochem. This is Shabbos Shabbosoni, Shabbos of Shabbos. V'nisi, Rastav Shosechem, Chukas Aram. So it will always be a war. 
the prayer, you have to uh, go through these limitations, chipa, kohen, ashayimshach, etc., etc. Now, the pasuk itself is slightly difficult to work out. There's a, a few little problems. Shem will give you forgiveness to purify you from all of your sins before Hashem you will be purified Hashem will purify you before, before Hashem you will be purified so what is the concept of before Hashem you will be purified Lifnei Hashem Lifnei Hashem so the mission in the last parak of Yuma, of course, Darshan is this, and in fact, we spoke about this um, in years past. On Yuma, Peihei, Amit Beis, a various between Adu Lamakim Yom Kippur and Mechape, a various between us and Hashem Yom Kippur is Mechape, a various between Adu Lachavera and Yom Kippur and Mechape, Ad Sheyutza Es Chaverei, until you satisfy the other person. As Zu Dorash is the Gersa in uh, the Gersa that uh, evidently uh, Yerushalmi Mishnayis have. Dorash, uh, as Zu Dorash with the husband of Zayah, Mikorcha Tosechem, for more of your sins, with Nei Hashem Titaru. For Hashem, you will be purified. Sins between us and God, Yom Kippurim will give you forgiveness. Fine. Comes along with Akiva. After all, is a Messiah's Darshan's this Pasik. Yeah. All of your sins before Hashem will be purified. And he says the famous say the famous expression Allah Bikiva Ashwechem Yisrael. Happy are you Yisrael. Lifne Miatemitayim. Before whom are you Mataya? Mimataiaschem. Who is Mataya you? Well Rush in there. Yeah. Lifne Miatemitayim. Before who are you purified? Umimataiaschem. And who is purifying you? Avicham Shabashamayim, your father in heaven, Shinamar, and I will throw the water on you, you will be pure. The Aimer Mikvah Yisrael. Yeah. Hashem is Mikvah Yisrael. Mikvah Yisrael. Ma Mikvah Matahir is its name? Just like a Mikvah is Matahir. People who are Tame, Afakushbach, Matthias Israel, Sokhushbach, with Matthias Israel. So there's a double Russian. Before whom are you being Matthias and who is being Matthias you? And he says, Before Hashem, and he brings two psukim. So you're acting in the right? I'm going to sprinkle water on you and make you pure, and Hashem is a mikvah. So there's some sort of a double thing that's going on. Is he bringing a support to a of desire? Is he arguing with him? Is he saying something different? What is Rabbi Kiva doing? The Mishnah tells us, Yom Kippur is only mechapeh for Averis, but not even Markham, not even Mechavero. The Bozbe Desire dies in Zeposik and comes along with Rabbi and says, Ashwechem Yisrael, boy, you should be so happy, Yisrael. Look who is Matayah, you. Avinu Shabbat Shabbat 
As it says directly in the mind, Kodesh Baruch Hu is sprinkled water on you, and Kodesh Baruch Hu is the mikvah. The Seder. So, this is how the Pasuk is being explained. What exactly is the principle that's taking place? Lifnei Hashem Titaru. You will become pure before Hashem. I should point out, and perhaps we'll make this point again, but I should point out that note the goal of Yom Kippur is not Kapara, it is Tahara. That is a very important distinction. We are not really going to get Kapara, we are going to achieve Tahara, purity, not merely forgiveness. The ramifications of that is going to be extremely important for us. But I want to say this term, Lifnei Hashem. Lifnei Hashem. These are gracious. Gracious, all five is good today. I won't discriminate. Yeah? Lifnei Hashem. We find this in a number of places. It pops up in the Torah But one place, which I think is the first place, and for our purposes is extremely significant, is right in Galatians. We all know the story. I'm in Perik Dalit. When we come back, uh, the Pasha Shir will be continuing on Pasha's Noah. So, at least we got in a little voracious so that we ate to Zen. Okay? Good. I know for the amount we're paying, we all want to make sure we get our money's worth, so. Gimel. Pardon the Gimel. But even in case you have a Yom Kayin, Mibriya, Dama, Mimcha, Kayin brings an offering from the fruits of the land. The Hevel, 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 so, he also brings from his best sheep, and Hashem accepts Hevel's offering and does not accept Kayin's. But Kayin of Melchasel, Kayin gets very angry and he gets depressed. What are you upset about? And Tatiu says, the Yitzhah is waiting for you. You're going to get yourself destroyed. It's Kedai. Don't, don't get upset. You can take control of this. Go to an uh, anger management course. You know, there, there are options. Kain speaks to his brother Hevel. Doesn't tell us what he says. And he kills his brother. Tess. Where's your brother Kayin? Where's your brother Kayin? It's a big world. I gotta watch this guy. I can't be responsible for everybody. I'm busy. I'm over the sheep someplace. What are you asking me for? What are you doing? Your brother's blood screams to me from the earth. Let the earth be cursed that opens up its mouth to swallow your brother's blood. The earth will no longer give its power to you. You will wander the face of the earth. That's it. This is the second 
really bad decision mankind has made. Right? Of the Mechavah and the Yitzhadas, and the Gan Eden, they eat from the Yitzhadas, Hashem says, eat from the Yitzhadas, Adam says, well, it wasn't my fault, it was her fault, she says, it wasn't my fault, it was the Nachos' fault. Right? First bad decision. He says, that's it. You're cursed, and you're cursed, and you're cursed, now get out. That's what happens. So now Cain kills his brother Hevel. He says, well, am I responsible? He says, yes, you killed your brother. Now you're in serious trouble. That's it. But Cain, unlike his dad, continues the conversation. Is my sin so big that you can't carry it? You've Throw me off the land, you hid yourself from me, but you see no one behind us will wander while you go mode. Hey, let's eat your what does that mean? It's a famous Medrash and Medrash Rabbah that we have spoken about in years past. It says the following. Um, this is in Pasha Chapez. It says he went out. Where did he come out of? Where did he go out of? Reviewed in the shame of the Vahu Omar. We'll deal with that one in a second. He went out happy. He went out happy. He meets his, his father. On the way, Hey, son, what happened? You, you, you killed your brother. What did Hashem do? On the way, Asisi Tshuva, and it's So I did Tshuva, and I was forgiven. I didn't realize. Now, what the significance is of we spoke about in the past. But, but this is interesting. Kayan goes out, according to the first shot, yeah, he went out with someone who tried to fool God. According to the other shot, he went out having successfully done tshuva. With me Hashem titaru. Before Hashem, we will be purified. Assuming there's a relationship between the two with Hashems, between the Rufnei Hashem and Yom Kippur, and the Rufnei Hashem by Kayin, then what is it that we are trying to accomplish on Yom Kippur? No. On one, we see. If he came out and he was successful, then it means he went through the process of tshuva, and even though he successfully managed to 
killed his brother, wiped out an entire line for thousands of years, millions, hundreds of millions of people wiped out. He was forgiven. According to the other shot, he went out, so to speak, he, he slunk away. He slunk away. So let's try to look at the second approach. The first approach we understand. Somehow he did Shuba. Lifnei Hashem, we haven't defined Lifnei Hashem. But wherever Lifnei Hashem is, Kayan achieved that, and he managed to successfully do Shuba. According to the second approach, he left in Lifnei Hashem. He went away from Lifnei Hashem. Whatever Lifnei Hashem is, he left it. The Kliyaka says, Rufnei Hashem, Titharu Harapasik. What does that mean, Rufnei Hashem? That means, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is the one who we have to do tshuva to. As such, it is not merely the form that we need to work with, but rather what is going on in the inner sanctums of our heart. It means that on some level, it would seem from the Kuyaka on a complete level, we have to mean it. Because the Kurdish Baruchu, we say this onion kipper, he's going to check the Breton, the Kloyes, he's going to go through what we're thinking and where we're coming from, what our thoughts are, what our intentions are, what do we mean? How serious are we? We have to be Lifnei Hashem. Kayan was not Lifnei Hashem. He thought he could fool HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Imagine how different the situation could have been. Right? says, where's your brother Hevel? I killed him. What? I killed him! I got so upset, I killed my own brother, I can't believe it, what do I do now? So, let's talk about it. Let's see what we can do. It's a terrible, terrible thing. But it's not as terrible as saying, gee, I know. What do you want from me? He says, you know, I just had this conversation with your dad. I can't believe this. I had the same conversation. I, he ate for me, he ate for us. I didn't throw him out. I didn't stop him, I didn't do anything. I said, Kaya, I said, Adam, what happened? She did it. Adam, and, and you okay? She gave it to me. You told me to listen to her. If it's anyone's fault, it's yours. And hers. Certainly not mine. Uh-huh. Chava, it was the snake. That snake, it's his fault. You know, I listen to you. I can't believe this. But it's certainly not my fault. I'm a victim of circumstances. Aha. So no one did anything wrong here? Um, I'm sure there must have been a way I could have handled it better, but I'm a product of my uh, upbringing. <laughs> You've only been alive for two hours. What are you uh, <laughs> How bad could it have been? You know, <laughs> you don't have parents to blame it on. You know what I mean? For <laughs> <Well>, in-laws. <laughs> you know? 
So, there's no, no chance for tshuva. There's no chance for tshuva. There's no chance for tshuva. When it comes to Kayan, and both other and Kayan, when Hashem first asks, they think, maybe He doesn't know. Maybe He doesn't realize. Uh, this, maybe He won't find out. I can get away with it. I like to try to give a positive spin to everything and uh, I have a friend who's the exact opposite. So to him, every silver lining has a cloud. Is that? <laughs> some look at the glass and say it's half full, some look at the glass and say it's half empty. He says it's probably poisoned. You know what I'm saying? Approach. I like to spend time with all types of people. So nice. So, uh, so, when we were speaking, for Shoshana two weeks ago and I said you know in the last week at 5760 the Intifada started in the last week at 5761 so the uh, Twin Towers of course were destroyed so what's going to be this last week and so those of you who are following the news waiting for impending tragedy there was a very important story in the news the largest bomb, the potentially largest terrorist attack in Israel's history was intercepted. Didn't happen. Hundreds of pounds of explosives were intercepted. Imagine, can only imagine what could have taken place. So I said, you see, it's going to be a good year. See, it'll be a good year for Hashem. We're ending on a positive note. Hopefully we're turning the corner. Things are going to go better. He said to me, you think that's what it means? <laughs> I said, well, I, I, well you know, I, I try to, you know, get a... But he says, no, nah, you missed it. I try to know you. I'm trying to call me wrong. He says, it could be an example of God's sense of humor. <laughs> You know, make you feel like things are getting better, and then BAM! I said, well, I, I, I would prefer not to think in those directions. He says, well, you know, you remember when Napoleon was attacking Pressburg? I said, well, not really, you know, I was like... <laughs> the Vietnam War, I mean, okay, you know, you know... Was he Napoleon? That was, uh, yeah, that was before even I was born. <laughs> you know, I'm into oldies and stuff, but that's like you know the hits of the 1800s. You know, I mean, forget it. You know, <laughs> so uh, so, <laughs> so he says, well, of course. All of a sudden, Napoleon stopped the attack and he withdrew. Some soldier pulled everybody together and said, you know, now we're really in trouble because the Baruch who said, okay, you were going to get the onish, and I stopped. And now's a chance for you to do tshuva. Now's a chance for you to change. Are you going to use this opportunity or not? So I just, you know, I try to include something for everyone. They always say, the reason when you reign McGill's Esther, there's always some psukim from Eicha, is so that everybody can enjoy the experience. You know what I mean? Certain people just won't get it if it's just happy straight through. You know what I mean? Like, you know. 
I was talking about, I think, uh, you know, Sabor um, Chayim or some, some, some halach relating to Rachmanis, and someone says, can we talk about those more macho mitzvahs like Machikas Amalek? I said, you know, I guess the Torah has something for everyone, doesn't it? You know? <laughs> yes, indeed. Something even you can relate to, you know? <laughs> but, be that as it may, when we take a look at the situation, Baruch Hashem. You know, there was almost uh, a terrible, terrible tragedy. People were poisoned in a restaurant. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's a little too you know, too intense for some people, you know what I mean? That they can't go shopping in supermarkets, they can't do this, they can't that, you know, but once they start hitting the restaurants, people are getting really emotional, you know what I mean? Can't go out for, you know, to, to, to a restaurant, you know, what's going to be, you know? Then it's, it's, it's the kind of thing where, and Baruch Hashem, we were spared. Baruch Hashem. So we're in a situation now where things are turning. Things are turning. It's an opportunity. We're going into a Yom Kippur and a Kodesh Baruch Hu knows what our attitude is. Oh, do we say, oh good, now I don't have to worry anymore. Things are getting better. Or do we say, Baruch Hashem for the opportunity. And a Kodesh Baruch Hu knows how far we mean it and to what extent. It's a... Uh, I, I've mentioned this uh, in the past that there's an exercise I started doing some years ago and Shmuel asked her when I come to the first bracha Gomel chasodim tovim v'konei hakol I try Gomel chasodim tovim Hashem does good for us like and I hear him I, I try to think of something and I try not to repeat something good Hashem did for me without repeating I've been doing this for years now uh, it's interesting that I, I once gave this Eats over to a group and I met somebody who was in a group and he says boy you know I've really been doing this now and it's, and it's really changed my life it's really such a wonderful thing he says but it's not always easy like between Mincha Marev it gets a little difficult I said what do you mean? he says well you know between Shachus and Mincha I can think of something good and usually between Mincha and Marev I can think of something good but I dab the two together I have to work harder I said you mean you limit yourself to thinking of good things that have only happened in the past few hours? well yeah is that what you meant? No, but, but that's really good too. <laughs> boy, oh boy. I'm sure I could do that too. I mean, chasadim. That's unbelievable. I said, and you come up with things in between Minchamayev? Yeah. Obviously, he dabbles in a different minion than I do. There's a... Otherwise, you just have to thank Hashem. Call the Shema. I'll call the Shema and the Shema. That's about how much time and certain minyanim I've been in. Yet. Oh, thank you, Hashem, for that breath. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is that I came to Shana to David, and I came as I always did, Shana night, Gomel Chasadim Tovim, and I couldn't go on. I was suddenly flooded with memories of this past year of all the good that Kosh Baruch has done for me. And it was just running through my mind, thing after thing. Some of them that I had already thanked Kosh Baruch for, things that I had and things I thought of, things I didn't realize. I thought to myself, what a year! Look at all the good! Look at all the good! With my Hashem Titaru, we're going to go before Kosh Baruch and we're going to say, Kosh Baruch look at all the good! There's an idea 
that I heard last year from Yehuda Kalamah, the rabbi of Israel of West Hampstead. And um, I won't be doing justice to it, I tell you uh, at the beginning, but, but there was one aspect to it that to me was so incredibly powerful. Um, Rabbi Kalamah, for those of you who don't know him, is uh, one of the uh, individuals who evidently knows everything. And uh, tremendous honor and just an absolutely unbelievable person. You know, I have a friend of mine who prides himself on, on stumping rabbis. That's what he did for, you know, his spare time. Until he met Rabbi Kalamah, he just gave up. He says, I once went to ask him a question, and he said, take a look at this particular journal in footnote 23. He says, I looked at it, and, uh, and I couldn't figure it out. He wasn't talking about what I was talking about. So I went back to him and he said to me, Come on, you're smart enough. I didn't mean what's written in the footnote. I mean, if you think about the Maya Malcolm that he quoted, that should answer it for you. Thank you, Rabbi. <laughs> Somebody else, he answered him from the Cantorical Journal. He says, I didn't even know there was a Cantorical Journal. <laughs> it's just amazing. Amazing. He was once learning yeah, we had a particular question. We went to him and he says, Oh, yeah, yeah, and He was holding in the sugya. This is just unbelievable. So he made this observation. I say, I say this because it's, you know, after I butcher it, it might be worthwhile for you for you to go back and uh, see if you can get a hold of his notes from last year. Mem Gimel Beis in Yuma says the following the Mishnah. Every day the Kohanim go up on the east side of the ramp to the Mizbeach and they go down on the west which means of course that they're using the right side. I mention this for the benefit of my friends from the Commonwealth just I don't understand what you do with this Mishnah. <laughs> you go on the right side of the street not on the left. I took my son once to England, you know, and I said, you got to be careful when you're crossing the street. Because in America, we were just in America, in America they drive on the right side of the street, and in England they drive on the left side of the street. He says, well, in Israel they drive right in the middle, so it's not a problem, you know. <laughs> Which, of course, is the Hemshech of the Mishnah. The Hayom and Anyam Kippurkan go to all of the Emsa, the Yom and the Emsa. Can you read that in Israel we are living in a matzav of Yom Kippurim? <laughs> Here he goes up in the middle and he goes down in the middle. Why? So Rashi says, Kohen Gado Ma'ak Vodai Rechivazim She Yisrael. Because on Yom Kippur he's showing the love and the covered of B'nai Yisrael Shehu Shulchan Shulchan He is their messenger Ve'oza Atzmo Keben Bayis And he is a Ben Bayis A Ben Bayis means I walk where I want I go where I want to go Right? People have to, you know, wait online, but if you work in the place, you go in the employee entrance. You can go wherever you want. You can go behind the counter. You can do, you know, to your place. I am Kippur, a Baruch who says to Klai Yisrael, you are a Ben Bias. Go wherever you want. Work in the middle. Make your own the place. Is it? This is the approach that we take on Yom Kippur. 
We are then biased. What does that mean? We are before Hashem. Where is our place? Our place is before Hashem on Yom Kippur. That's our Makom. Kayan walked out. Mirufnei Hashem. Kayan went off into Golis. No Vinod. Kayan had no place. There is no Tara if you have no place. Kayan didn't get the point. Because the point of Yom Kippur is not to get forgiveness for the sins that we do. The purpose is to be Dovak Hashem to the point that we are so close that there is no Averis. Of course we have to ask forgiveness for the individual Averis. But beyond the Averis is the fact that we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. We're distant from a Kurdish Baruch Hu. Tshuva is not shuv, is to come back. Golis by definition is I'm not where I belong. Geula by definition is I am where I belong. The Yovel begins on Rosh Hashanah, the Jubilee year, the 50th year. We blow the shofar and the Avadim go free on Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is a Yom Cheres. We go free. We are out of Golis. We are back home. Where? Rufnei Hashem. The Friedlander points out. The Yekiba tells us HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a mikveh. Is a mikveh. The only way to become Torah is to be Dovak. You've got to be touching the water. I'm going to take it a step further. The Medrash says, Kayan went out, Kigonev Das Kono. He went out like someone who tried to fool Hashem. Rashi and his parish and Chumash adds in another word, Bahachna. means, you know, spent. Spent. The Yisrael Salanta says, there is a part to Yom Kippur that's called Hachna. We submit ourselves to Akush Baruch Hu. Now let me develop this a little bit on what we just said. On Yom Kippur we have to know we have a place. It's Lefnei Hashem. There's a tragic story that took place during the time of the second base of Migdash where this fellow went to Alexandria and built his own base in Mikdash. He decided to go into business for himself. Made his own. Amazing concept. He didn't fit in to the base of Mikdash, so he made his own base of Mikdash. Make your own base of Mikdash. Yeah, I will be close to you on my terms. You will fit into my lifestyle. But you have to fit in with me. I don't have to fit in with you. I thought, you know, a mikvah only works if you go into it. 
So, assuming it, the mikvah comes up this high, right, and I'm standing there, it's not going to work. I have to put myself into it. I have to bend. When we go into Yom Kippur, there has to be, to a certain extent, a concept of Hachna. We are approaching HaKadosh Baruch Hu for one day. And as the Kliyaka tells us, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to be checking into us. To what extent we mean it. And we say, like we say, starting with Chodesh Elo and straight through. I want to live with Nei Hashem. I want to be in Hashem's house. I want to be before you. Now, you know you're going to go live by somebody else. You've got to play by their rules. can't do it by your rules. You... And to visit. I'm still a visitor. I live here, but I'm a visitor. I want to do it on HaKadosh Baruch Hu's terms, not on my terms. This is extremely difficult for us. And that's why so many of us don't have a place. We try to take HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Torah and everything that goes with it and make it fit in to our preconceived concept of what it should be as opposed to it being for us so a fascinating article by uh, I don't know really about the details this, this fellow was having an argument with somebody else about what his Rebbe held and he said I asked him if I could do such and such and he told me yes and he said, you're right. Because our Rebbe answered you based on where you were coming from. Isn't there some way you could matter this for me? Can't I do this? Isn't there a way I can do this? I'm going to make you fit in with what I want. He says, I went in with no preconceptions. I said, what does the Rebbe hold? And that's a world of difference. I'm getting on in years already. This was a guy, so he must have been, I don't know, 19. I'm getting on already in years. No, he's older than that. You know, and, uh, and I really think I should get married. And I think it's hurting my learning that I'm not getting married. And I'm in a position I'd be able to support a wife, and, and it would be good for my learning. And I and it's a good thing, and my parents are in favor of it. Do you think I can start going out? So, well, she would say, well, in those circumstances, yeah, I suppose, you know, you accept it. So he comes out and he says, I don't know what I'm going to do. The well, Roshiva told me I have to start going out. I don't know what to do. I don't know if I'm ready. Am I ready, Bichol? No, that's tell you. So he told me I have to go. That's what I'm going to do, you know. <laughs> it's so amazing. I once heard somebody say, I can get any answer I want from this particular place. You just have to phrase the question correctly. Oh, Hashem. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> I'm sure if we phrase the question correctly, we can get the answer that we want. But is that what we want? You know, there's a very important point. There are people who 
are not able to face that they're not doing the best thing. They can't handle that they're not doing the best thing. So therefore, they make what they're doing the best thing. I'll give you the most extreme example. The most extreme example. Right? When you look for a definition of Reformed, Conservative, and Orthodox, don't look in the official publications. They're very misleading. People will tell you. People will tell you. Reform means I keep 30%. Conservative means I keep 60%. Orthodox means I keep 90%. If you keep 100, you're a Hasidish. You understand? Ding, ding, ding. You know, it's like that. And people have a barometer. And they define who they are based on how much they keep or they don't keep. Right? So he said to the person, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, uh, what are you? He says, well, I'm conservative. I've got a conservative synagogue. He says, but you don't keep Shabbos. Conservative says you have to keep Shabbos. I can't reform. I'm very easy. You know, smooth transition. You know what I mean? That's how you can have a term like conservadox. 78%. You know what I mean? Like, you know, reformative. 42%. You know what I mean? Like, you know? And people define, you know, rather than say, I'm doing the wrong thing, I'll say, I'll come up with a label for myself so that what I'm doing is now the right thing. I think it's okay to say I'm doing the wrong thing and sigh. Right? Famous story with Chavetz Chaim. This fellow came by. He was buying all of his svarim, but he wouldn't buy say Chavetz Chaim on Lashon Har. You know, and the Chavetz Chaim suddenly kept sticking it in the front of the pile and he kept moving around it. You know, <laughs> but did the same with uh, you know the halachas on what to do in the army. You know, the guy was like 64. You know, <laughs> you know, anything else, anything. You know, so he says, why don't you buy my magnum opus? You know, they call me after the sefer Chavetz Chaim. You know. He says, look, I'm in business, you know, I speak Russian horror, what can I do? Chavitz Chaim says, if you read the Sefer and heave a sigh, it's worthwhile. Heave a sigh. That's who I want to be. That's where I want to go. I might not be able to achieve it yet, but a Kodesh Baruch Hu, hear my sigh. You're the Bochem of Babas. Look in my heart. I don't have to justify it. I don't have to excuse it. I'm not there yet. But that's where I'm going. I had this experience, for those of you who read the English Hamadiyya, um, I wrote an article about people should consider, living in Israel, it's a mitzvah, you should consider it like a mitzvah. perhaps, etc. And I mentioned that I spoke in a particular community and I was attacked violently for even suggesting this. And so, of course, after I wrote the article, I was attacked violently for even suggesting it. Because people don't want to feel they're doing the wrong thing. So I didn't tell you it's the wrong thing. I just said, ask. I said, but people don't want to feel like they're doing the wrong thing. People are afraid. So I said, I'd rather know I'm doing the wrong thing, and I'll work on it, than to try to redefine what's good and what's normal in order for it to fit in with where I'm coming from. And this is such an important concept. There's nothing wrong with saying, I'm not there yet, but I'm heading there. You're right, I should. That's a good thing to do. As opposed to taking Kurdish Baruch and trying to stick him in to whatever mukam I'll create for myself and saying, you'll fit in with my preconceived ideas. Lefnei Hashem titharu. 
The goal is tahara. The Mishnah gives us two psukim. Zerakti alayamayim taharim. That's Hashem. He's going to spritz us. But then, Kosh is the mikvah. You have to go to Him. We have to, on Yom Kippur, at some point, open up our heart. And I tell you, that was my kavanah during the Kiyoshofa, the second day. My whole, my whole kavanah was that somehow that sound would just chip away a little piece of my heart and let in a little ray of light that a Kosh would be able to see that at least I want to do the right thing. At least I have the focus. I may not be there yet, but that's where I'm going. I know what's right and I want to do it. With me Hashem. If people don't feel comfortable, if people don't feel they have a makam, you know, I, I want to jump ahead. The Chidush Rim says that we do tshuva. Tshuva is to return. Golis is to go away. Geula is to come back. Tshuva is to return. We want to come back. So we don't have a base of this yet. So what do we have? So we have a sukkah. Yorkim lanu a sukkah's dover hanofolis. The sukkah should be our little base of mikdash. We go and live there. Achashalati, shivti beveis Hashem. At least that'll be a sukkah. A little bit. Temporarily. Something. And Sukkot is a week of the celebration of what? Of the Tara. Of the Tara. Of the holiness. Of the purity. And of course it culminates when we leave and we go back into our home that we have to take some of that energy with us. Simchas And we celebrate and we dance. And I said this years ago, I said, you can tell how effective your Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur was when it comes to Simchas Torah. I was once by a major Orthodox show in the New York area on Simchas Torah. And the Hakafis were going on inside, and all the young people were outside. They came for sure, but they were standing outside. Somehow, they didn't feel comfortable to walk in with Hashem. They could get to it and not all the way in. And I see people who do this all the time. They're almost there. They want to go, but they don't feel like they belong. They don't have a place. They can't be with Hashem. We are going to put ourselves into a mikvah called a Kodesh Baruch Hu, tomorrow night. Before Hashem Tataru, before Hashem we will become Torah. We are going to immerse ourselves in the Kodesh Baruch Hu, as much as we can to achieve that to make us. We'll sing whatever those Megunim are. Just do it well. We won't bother everybody else. You know what I'm saying? You know, but if you, if you, if you have some place where the Megunim are, everyone's singing it, you're into it, you get it. And you lose yourself in that nigan. When we sing it together. Nagain. Nun. 
which is the 50th level, Gan, brings us back to Gan Eden. We want to get back there, and that tomb is the road to bring us back to our home. We want to be able to, to be able to approach a Kurdish Baruch Hu and say, I'm going to go in and immerse myself in you. I'm going to go into my heart, and I'm going to want to fit myself into your home, Shivti Beveis Hashem. And I'll be a good guest. I'm going to do it all overnight. And it's not going to happen instantly. But that's where I want to be. Then Zerakti Aleyhim Mayim Tahirim HaKadosh Baruch Hu Metahir Us. Ashrechem Yisrael. Boy, guys should be happy. Kadosh Baruch Hu doesn't send it. You go into that mikvah called Kadosh Baruch Hu. Kadosh Baruch Hu nurses us. And we come out Toha. Yeah. We move back into a state of tumor. Afterwards, during the year, we're not so focused. But for tomorrow, we're going to try to put ourselves into a Kush Baruch Hu with that vacus. We're going to have to have that hachnor. We're going to have to put ourselves into a position where we say, yes, this is my place. This is where I live. And take that energy into the sukkah and then back into our home and amidst Hashem even if my friend was right and this year has a you know Kosh Baruch was starting it off by offering us an opportunity we'll have reached out and taken advantage of that for ourselves and for Kali Yisrael and amidst Hashem we will have a Gemach Simitayva why is that you just